Shalom and welcome back to this edition of It's All About the Aliyah. This is part two of our very special program regarding uh, the International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Our guest we're speaking to is Dr. Carrie Burns. We're going to take off and continue where we left off in part one regarding uh, Carrie, your experience at Auschwitz. This is something that really blows my mind because I know what type of visceral reaction I had um, going through that camp, especially I think um, the, the shoes and the hair, and you can speak to all of these things of the, of the Jewish people. Um, something that struck me immediately if, upon getting off of the bus there was, oh, actually, um, you know, we, I drove in a private vehicle, but there was all kinds of people getting off of buses. And that's a whole nother topic that I'll, maybe I'll address, but um, was the enormity, the uh, premeditation that had to be uh, placed, put into forming this camp and the premeditation uh, to annihilating a, a, an entire group of people. Um, how in the world did you go to work there each day? And maybe tell our audience what you did and how you coped with, with that reality. Um, I, uh, yeah, Auschwitz. Um, you see the image behind me, the iconic image of, mm. of the gate and our bite mocked fry, work makes free, uh, you know, it's a sham. Um, if I move my head, do you see the letter B? Yes. It's upside down. Mm. Prisoners made that gate. They were forced to make that gate. And that was one of the ways they protested. Mm. No one noticed. We notice the B is upside down, um, much akin to flying a flag upside down when you're in distress. Mm. And um, yeah, I actually prayed to get into Auschwitz. Mm. Uh, I was, um, it was during a time of unemployment. I was in between jobs. Looking back, I know when it took two years and two months to get a, a new position in ministry. I didn't know that then. And so I wanted to make best, the best use of my time. And I took a, another course with the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, Yad Vashem. And this was a course on commemorations and memorials. Mm. And one of the weeks we had to focus on Auschwitz-Birkenau. So I went to the Auschwitz-Birkenau. It happened to be Good Friday when I was working on my uh, report for that week. And I was fasting. And I'm on the Auschwitz-Birkenau website getting the information I need. And I was about to wind up for the day mm -hmm. and get ready to go to church. And uh, I decided to look around the website. And then I, I saw that they had a volunteer department and it made me shudder. I, I, mm. Who would volunteer at Auschwitz? Right. And I remember uh, I was presenting in Jerusalem at an international conference, uh, Yad Vashem, on the Holocaust, and I remember somebody pointing out saying, there goes Dr. Savinsky. Okay, who's Dr. Savinsky? <laughs> He's the director of Auschwitz-Birkenau. And I had to stop and think, somebody, Dr. Savinsky, goes to work every day 
at Auschwitz. He somebody's got to lead that place. Mm. So um, I remember that I went to church. I listened to the sermon, the Good Friday sermon, but inside. I just kept getting a message. You can volunteer at Auschwitz. Mm. And that's not something you hear every day inside no, your I head. Guess not. <laughs> no. So uh, I drove home in, in the deep night. It, it was in Texas, 45 minute drive home. And I listened to another sermon that night from a pastor in London. And I was going through the series of Elijah and it was when he was calling his protege, Elisha, mm-hmm. Eliyahu and Elisha in the, in the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pastor Hemmings said 18 times, Christian friends, are you being called? Mm. Christian friends, are you being called? I went back, listened to it again and counted how many times. And I thought that was a confirmation. I was being called to volunteer at Auschwitz. So I did my due diligence, talked to uh, my colleagues. They all, to the person, said, you must try this. You must uh, try applying and seeing where it takes you. That's incredible. I mean, that, that, is, that in itself is so rare. And, and as you said, who, who would volunteer there? Um, I mean, just going... I mentioned a moment ago about buses, and, and, and I, I, I want to f- follow up on that, why I, I mentioned that to, to, for our audience, is because young people were getting off of buses. They had bus loads, uh, and I don't know if they were school trips or, or what, I can't remember the time of year I was there, but they were getting off, and there was a lot of commotion, and they were talking and laughing as young people do as they were getting off the bus. Now I had arrived there with with a, a, a private guide because I was I was there alone in the country at the time, and um, she allowed me to just walk on my own and spend quiet time there. So I was observing these young people in their commotion and their laughter, and that it disturbed me initially. But I also observed as they made their way through the camp how those emotions changed, mm-hmm. how the reality of where they were set in, and how. Uh, how somber by the time they reached those broken down old gas chambers, how somber they were. And I, I realized how important it is to have an Auschwitz still remain, uh, an Auschwitz for a reminder, for a lesson to teach uh, every generation uh, since then, you know, the, the horrors and, and how to avoid those horrors. Now, you went one step further, obviously, than just touring the camp. Tell us about some of the duties that you had there. Yeah, I, you know, I did get in. I was accepted. And I, um, I then learned that uh, I was unique. Americans don't apply. Mm. And um, also my age, I, um, young people, the 20-somethings, are the ones who volunteer there. Uh, and the ones from um, Europe. Mm. Um, And, you know, it's interesting about uh, the place doing its job, teaching people. Dr. Savinsky, the director's office, um, beautiful Catholic man, calls God his master. Master, that's how he prays, my master. Mm. Mm. Um, His office is in a former SS hospital right across from the gas chamber. He sees groups coming in, And he sees groups leaving from his window. 
and he sees that the place has done its job. The transition has has taught the people and has brought about the right. Um, he says knowledge is important, but it's the empathy that he's after. Mm, uh, knowledge can puff up, as we know from the scriptures, but it's the empathy and the um, the the feeling and the understanding and the coming alongside that is the important thing that he's after. That is so profound. And I, I really hope and trust that this program and these, la- the, these two programs that we're, we're doing on this topic have that same effect on our audience. We're, we're, we need to take a break here, Carrie, and uh, to our audience, we'll be right back. Welcome back. We're talking with Dr. Carrie Burns regarding her experiences at Auschwitz. And Carrie, before the break, you were talking about building empathy for, uh, for the cause. And uh, just please share uh, more about your experiences there. And I, I mean, I, I can see uh, in you that empathy and, and I've known you for a long time and it's always, it's always been there as long as I've known you. But obviously this had to be a life-changing experience for you. Uh, It was, you know, I uh, arrived, this was in 2016. I was there from August through December. I got myself a little apartment. I took the bus in every day. And from the bus stop to the entrance, um, I prayed and sang. And uh, that's a whole nother story about praying and singing hymns at Auschwitz. Mm. Uh, and, and the effect that that has, but, um, you know, they, they started me off as they do every volunteer by seeing what you're made of and what you're able to, to do and, um, how you're able to cope with it and the kind of job that you do. And so, um, one of the first things they gave me to do was to take care of prisoner uniforms. Mm. And uh, what what the museum would do is lend out artifacts to other museums and exhibits all around the world. And then they would come back and you'd need to catalog them and put them back where they belong in special environments and uh, um, and make sure that the condition is um, appropriate. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I worked with actual prisoner uniforms. Then one day, uh, I'm wearing all black, of course, I go in and they asked me to take care of bedding Mm. that had been lent out. And now, 
it's you know bedding time went on in the camp they there was no bedding but early on it was gunny sacks mm. and they filled it with straw well this bedding um, we took the straw the straw has been taken out because we don't want bugs and stuff to eat yeah. at it well this bedding came back with filled with straw whoever borrowed it for their exhibit didn't take the straw before shipping it back to Poland so I needed to get all the straw out. And mm. I remember I was all alone in a barracks um, working with actual bedding and watching groups go by and uh, also praying for those groups and seeing them going this way. And by the time they were coming this way, um, their dispositions had vastly changed. Yes, exactly. Um, mm. But as time went on, um, they had me working with the shoes. And so, um, you know, one of the last things that the pieces of apparel that would be taken off before going into the gas chambers and always children in arms and babies whoever's arms they were in would go straight to the gas chamber. Um, no, no tattoo, no, no work. Um, and, um, and so I worked with the shoes and we were um, overhauling the exhibit because now research has found different ways to preserve these crimes against humanity and what was used in the 60s and 70s has been updated vastly uh, to what we use now. So all of it had to be uh, redone. Yeah. And so I held each one. How, how, how do you cope with, you know, you're holding that shoe in your hand. You know why you're holding that shoe and what happened to the occupant, the owner of that shoe. Um, and you're, you're doing a job, you have to do it. And you're describing the technology that's involved in preserving, yet you're still having to cope. How, what, how did you cope with that, with the, the reality of what you had in your hand and the history there and still be able to do your job? You know, um, the young people would have their earbuds in and, and listen to music to do the restoration work and the, and the preserving work. I couldn't, I, I couldn't listen to music and, and do that at the same time. I had to be alone with my own thoughts and prayers. And the thing that kept me going, uh, uh, well, a few, a few things. Um, I, I prayed um, all day long. Mm. And uh, so I was with God and he was with me. And um, also I thought, you know, I wasn't there during the Holocaust to help, but I am here now. And this is the least I can do mm. is um, they're already gone, but I can take care of their belongings. And then the third major thing was of all the people in the world, God chose me. Oh. Yeah. to hold each of these shoes and um, baby ones and the, the toddler. And, the, you know, there were shoes that were um, 
there were slippers. There were fancy Barbie doll type slippers that the woman must have been taken out of, uh, you know, um, a rich home. There mm-hmm. were uh, sandals could have been during the summer. There were boots. Uh, there were slippers, um, maybe in the middle of the night. Um, there were labels in the shoes, Budapest, Varsava, uh, uh, you know, where the shoes were made or purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to hold each one. You are really connecting in, 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 some, uh, in, in, a, in a spiritual way and in, in a practical way. Um, I, God bless you. And I, I know that, that was, there was, there's reasons why he had you there. There, the, Some of those reasons are manifesting today in the work that you're doing uh, with uh, Ministry to Israel and uh, Ezra International. Um, Carrie, we're up against another break. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll come back and uh, we'll, uh, we've, again, there's so much that we could cover. I'm not sure if we'll even get it in, in, in this program, but uh, uh, we'll give it a try. We'll be right back. From Siberia to the Amazon, from Budapest to Buenos Aires, Jewish families hear the call to return to their biblical homeland, Israel. Their prophets foretold long ago that the return to Israel in our time would be a miracle. And it is. The prophets also foretold another calling for our time, to the Gentiles. And it is a call that Ezra International responds to each and every day. And you too can answer that call. You can bring Jewish people back to Israel from the four corners of the earth by praying, by learning about Aliyah, and by giving of your finances to help those in need. Join us at EzraInternational.org today as we answer the call together. Welcome back. Our guest is Dr. Carrie Burns. We've been discussing the, the Holocaust and her experiences at uh, Auschwitz. Uh, Carrie, um, we talked about some of the work that you did there. Um, our audience is probably uh, wondering, uh, you know, what other insights you may have uh, uh, accumulated from your time there, uh, from your experiences since then. Um, share, share what's on your heart about that. You know, when you're um, so up close and personal to um, the actual belongings and and holding them and and loving them, and um, it's you know, I was working with the shoes. It was um, kind of like washing their feet, mm. only um, posthumously, and um, taking care of their footwear and um, and and loving them. Uh, so many things uh, rise to the surface that, that God teaches a person like me, um, you know, just an ordinary believer. Um, the standouts, one is humility. And, um, and also the, the staff at Auschwitz are mainly young people and they're all so humble, mm. all of them. Um, they're all learners. They're, uh, even the guides are so you, you, Auschwitz is incomprehensible. We can't know it. So you can't walk around puffed up. Like this is my field. I know all about, we cannot fathom the depths. We'll never know everything 
about the Holocaust and about Auschwitz. Um, and there's, there's no pat answers. No. All the answers are complex. Mm-hmm. There's no soundbite answers. There's, um, it's multifaceted. So um, God teaches humility at a place like Auschwitz. Um, empathy and going a step further than empathy, I think, is compassion. Mm. So we can empathize. But I believe compassion is, is putting the doing. That's right. With the empathy. And um, it is higher than knowledge. It, uh, it, really, it really is. And you're emulating our, our Savior. I, I, you know, Romans 15, verse 8, it speaks of uh, Yeshua, Jesus, becoming a servant to the circumcision, the servant to his people, the Jewish people. And I think if we're going to emulate him, you know, it's not, it's not what would Jesus do, it's what did he do. And if we're going to emulate him, I believe humbling ourselves, which you just mentioned, is, is the beginning. It is a prerequisite to, to uh, our, our relationship with the Jewish people. And I, I believe you've done that in a huge way. Um, well, well, thank you. It, but it's like there's no pat Christian answers. Oh, all things work together for the good. Oh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Oh, yeah. I know it I'm, doesn't work. No, it um, doesn't work. You, you, could you answered? You asked one of the most difficult questions um, uh, early. I think it was in in our, our program one. Um, you know, where was God? Uh, that question lingers over every Yom Hashoah uh, memorial. Um, and and again, no pat answers. And why would God let this happen? No pat answers. Um, we we see. We see things through a glass, you know, a glass darkly now, and we know that uh, Israel was reborn, and that Jewish people now have a, a second opportunity, or and, and or for some a first opportunity to get out of these countries and get to Israel, and fulfill uh, prophecies of a bigger, you know, the big picture. God, God made a promise long ago. We look back all the way to the, the book of Deuteronomy, and we and He tells Moses. If you are scattered throughout the world, anywhere you're scattered, I will bring you back. And um, I think that is, we're seeing part of uh, that fulfillment or in, in a big way uh, in our generation. But it's been going on, as you mentioned before, it's been going on for uh, probably better part of 150 years is that return to, to Israel because of this, this ancient hatred that exists in the nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, another biggie was uh, faith in God. And I learned, oh, faith in God is not the same as optimism. Mm. Things don't always work out. Good point. Suffering will does take place. Um, bad things do happen. There doesn't seem to be happy endings at times uh, on this earth. And uh, it doesn't mean that life will have a, a happy ending are you still going to have faith in God? It's not like, Oh, you know, grit your teeth and, and God'll do it. God'll do. uh, Okay. But it might not be the answer you're looking for. Do you still have faith in God? That is a reality. And I'm glad you addressed that. Uh, I think there's too much, especially in the Christian world of uh, um, teachings that are more, um, you know, life, 
uh, life coaching type teachings, you know, have a, have a, have a optimism, have a, a positive attitude, but you're absolutely right. Um, where the rubber hits the road is when things are not going well. And we know you, and maybe you, you've heard more about this, but, uh, uh, I have read or heard of the, uh, many of the Jewish people going to the gas chambers, uh, declaring the Shema as, yeah. as they went. And that's, that's, that's faith. In, in their creator till the end. Yeah, the Shema, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I believe God's name was uttered more at Auschwitz than at any other place on earth. Mm-hmm. I believe more prayers were said at Auschwitz than any other place on earth. Mm-hmm. I believe it's holy ground. Mm-hmm. It's um, sanctified. It's, I didn't know that going in. I thought it's a place of horror and degradation and humiliation. It is. But um, there's something about it that um, God is, um, it's sanctified through all the prayers that were said in those gas chambers and Mm -hmm. every day in in, um, everyday life there at the camp. We don't have the mind of God. Uh, That's another thing I, I learned, you know, Job said, I, I clap my hand over my mouth. Yeah. Uh, shut up. I don't know. I don't know anything. God, God knows it. Um, we can't understand. He's got a, a purpose and a way. And um, I fear him and I love him. And he's holy. And he is the God of love. And um there is more to this darkness that will someday be revealed. Wow, that is so profound and well said. Uh, you, it, it, Auschwitz stands as a symbol or a contrast between the God of this world, the creator of the universe, and the evil forces that exist and the, the, the force that would, would say that they're above God and, and trying to call... Uh, if, if the Jewish people disappeared from the face of the planet, which was the intent behind the, the Holocaust, then God would have been a liar. And we know that he is not. And this is, this is, a, this, this is the struggle between uh, good and evil, the satanic struggle between uh, uh, Jehovah, our God, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the, the world system and the and, and satanic powers. And Auschwitz stands as a testament to that. And uh, I think uh, you're absolutely right. It is holy ground. And um, we will never fully understand it this side of eternity. You know, um, I actually got to go to the place and serve. But um, you can pray for the place and all the visitors who go there. You can give to Ezra International that's rescuing 90-year-old Holocaust survivors Mm. and getting them out of Europe and bringing them home to Israel. I know our partner ministry, Ministry to Israel, um, they help Holocaust survivors in Israel with walkers and with heaters and blankets and Mm -hmm. um, the things that they need. There's ways that you can be a Koi Ten Boom now. And um, she didn't go for the notoriety. She got it later, but um, that's not why rescuers 
do what they do. They're called. They're called to do what they, and all of us are rescuers if we get behind this work. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, well said. That's the perfect place to bring this program to a close because if we've done anything, I hope it is build that empathy and that longing to, to be different, to do something about this, the, the condition of the Jewish people in this generation. Thank you, Carrie. Very well said. Thank you. And to you, our audience, take the charge, take, take that challenge that Carrie laid out and do something, make, make your life count for something different in this generation uh, when so many didn't, uh, you know, during the, during the Holocaust. Go to EzraInternational.org and make your best gift and we'll help Jewish people escape these countries and get home to Israel. God bless you. Thank you. See you next time.